You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. I'm talking with my buddy Ricky Bullard, and uh, Ricky's a great turkey hunter. You may remember him from last turkey season. We got to talk to him about um, hunting in Florida and Georgia. Dude is a straight-up turkey killer. He does a great job with it, and not only that, but this past week, Ricky spent some time in Kentucky in a place that he's never hunted before and ended up tagging out with just a few days to hunt. And uh, I thought that was super impressive, so I asked him if he'd want to come on the show. I've gotten to uh, hang out with Ricky quite a few times. He's a super humble dude and uh, just really fun to talk to, and he's a great hunter. Y'all have heard me say it before, but the guys down in Florida, man, they know how to get it done, whether it be deer or turkeys. You put those guys in a whole lot of scenarios, and uh, if they're successful in Florida... I just about bet you they're going to be successful somewhere else. So me and Ricky talk about uh, a specific hunt that he killed a bird on um, where he had to invest a ton of time into this one specific bird on public land that had been pressured. He had been pestered a lot, and a lot of people were hunting him, and uh, And Ricky went in and was the guy who was able to get it done. And we also kind of compare that to, uh, I haven't got to talk about it yet, we'll talk about it a little bit more in upcoming episodes, but... Uh, a turkey that I killed, a gobbler I killed this past week, and uh, it was a, it was on public land, and this bird was almost the same way. He had been pressured by a whole lot of people. I know of two other people that had uh, that had hunted this this turkey, and I'm sure other people other than just us were hunting him too. And I was able to go in and make a game plan. I had hunted him about four different times, and I was able to go in using the knowledge that I had go in and kill him and it was a really cool hunt and it's actually up on the youtube channel if you're not subscribed to the southern ground hunting on youtube i would appreciate it if you did that man i i put in a lot of time a lot of effort not only hunting and trying to produce content but actually editing and making sure that everything looks good and you can really get the full uh understanding of the storyline and things like that so check that out at southern ground hunting on youtube 
Got some turkey hunts there. Got some more coming up. Um, but before we get into this episode, let's uh, let's talk real quick about the companies that make this podcast possible. Want to give a huge shout out to Scree Gear. You can use the code Southern Ground, and that will save you a little bit on your purchase at ScreeGear.com. Also, our friends at New Canoe. You can go to NewCanoe.com and check out some of their awesome offerings in the kayak world. They've got a new kayak called the Unlimited, and I've been rocking that thing this past tur- this turkey season, and I just love the stinking boat. I'm, uh, I'm super excited about it. I'm excited about getting on, on the water and fishing this summer, and then, of course, deer hunting this fall. It's going to be a great boat. I think you guys would really like it. That one and the Frontier both the 10 and the 12 footers are awesome boats. Everything they have is great, but when you're talking about for hunting, uh, whether it be deer or turkeys, man, these things are great for carrying gear. They're great for carrying uh, deer, turkeys, whatever. Um, you can use them tandem, which is pretty great. You can add other seats. Really like my new canoe. You can check them out at newcanoe.com. Also, tetherednation.com for, uh, for everything saddle hunting. Tethered is in the middle of doing a whole lot of teach and train events right now you can go to tetherednation.com and click on the teach and train tab and you can find out if there is one near you and i'm willing to bet that there is one near you somewhere i know we've got some in alabama florida Uh, they just had one this week in tennessee mississippi georgia wherever i'm sure there's going to be a teach and train somewhere near you these events are awesome they're free and uh, you get to see some of the some of the products that tethered tethered is offering, and you get to test them out and try them out, shoot your bow in them, climb, whatever. Really cool events that these guys are putting on. So check out tetherednation.com. And lastly, Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is re- producing a lot of new things right now. I'm in the middle of testing some new things before we go in to launch the app. The app is going to be awesome. And uh, you can get it for about 20 bucks and use the code Southern Ground, and that will save you on your order. And what you pay right now is going to be what you pay for the rest of your life, as long as you have Spartan Forge. You can go to SpartanForge.ai to find out more information. Guys, go and do this. I think you will really like what you find. It's a deer prediction uh, software. They use data points from all across the country. And uh, the the AI that it goes through, the technology that it goes through gives you its best estimate of what the deer are going to be doing, where they're going to be found at, what they're going to be doing, how their movement's going to be that day, depending on the weather, the phase of the rut, all that different stuff. They use all these different data points and put it into that system, and it's just incredible. It really does work, and uh, I think you guys should go check that out at SpartanForge.ai. Use the code SOUTHERNGROUND. That will save you, I believe, 20% on your purchase all right guys let's get into this episode with ricky bullard of florida we're going to talk about how to kill those impossible gobblers all right i am joined here with mr ricky bullard from florida ricky how's it going down there in florida doing pretty good doing pretty good back to normal weather i got snowed on last week so uh did it snow yeah, it's snow- good to be back home it snowed in florida no 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 no. Oh. <laughs> okay while you were in kentucky i was like wait time out we got to talk about this no no um that's <laughs> yeah o- over in kentucky now i do know that it snowed there you went on a on a trip um killed a couple birds in kentucky but 
more so than that, man, you've been just like stacking them up all season long. It seems like. I mean, is it is it become a weekly thing right now for you to kill a turkey? Is that <laughs> is that pretty normal? Uh, well, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, no brag. Bragging. Not not I mean, bragging, but it's not like yeah. It, I just kind of you know last year I figured some stuff out and just I, you know I kind of grew into my style i guess and yeah i mean this year i've, I've had another i've been fortunate and have had a very good year you know tagged out in florida got one georgia bird and two kentucky birds so that's awesome and you started early man you started opening day right opening day of florida season on osceola yeah yeah i, I cheated i got a <laughs> i got an early start i went down to south florida me and my cousin went down there and uh yeah i got one on public land right off the you know, first morning, I was as shocked as anybody else. <laughs> That's cool. I, now, I heard that that was a, uh, <laughs> hopefully nobody that listens to this is at works with you, but I heard that that was, uh, that was one of those <laughs> days where you, like, can't post anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're, an out, if you're an outdoorsman, those days happen every once in a while. It's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's It's part of the game. <laughs> You know, so you kill one, and you're supposed to be somewhere else, so you can't talk about it. I, I, I screwed up on that one, man, because I was like, "Awesome, one of my buddies killed a turkey." I'm gonna post about it on Southern Ground Facebook page, and so I posted it uh. and I tagged you in it. And then later, like that day, I saw that I was that you weren't tagged in it anymore. I was like, "Well, that's weird. I don't know why Facebook did that." And then Walter told me he was like, "Yeah." Don't post anything about it because he's not supposed to be turkey hunting. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know how it. I wasn't tagged in it, but yeah, I. I uh, I'm not worried about it. Nobody I work with is that hardcore into it. They have no idea. So <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great season for you, dude. And uh, I know we're on. Me and you are on that group text, and it seems like all the time, man. You're posting pictures and sharing pictures and stuff so i'm interested to know you you said last season which last season was great too and and for anybody listening to this right now ricky came on as a guest last year for the first time during turkey season because he had a another great season and um but then you also after our podcast you went on to kill some birds in tennessee one week the same week that i was there uh you killed was it two or three two or three turkeys in tennessee uh, two, yeah, two in Tennessee. Two in Tennessee, afterwards. So, um, you mentioned that last year you figured some things out and you kind of learned your style. Can you talk about that for a second and kind of be a little more specific with it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of all goes back to I guess three years ago. I kind of started listening to hunting podcasts, and I I just got tired of going hunting and just like hoping to to kill, you know, hoping to be successful. Uh. So it started out with deer hunting and then I'm like, you know, I, I almost more hardcore of a turkey hunter seems like. So I started listening to turkey podcasts and I just came to the conclusion that there's just like everything else, there's no magic formula and you just have to keep on going. And one morning you're going to catch them in the right mood, but also there's no secret tips or tactics. It's, it's everything is relative to every single specific situation. So you're best off just, you know, getting confident with your calling. You don't have to be the best because I, I promise you I'm not the best. But uh, just being 
more aggressive. I, I don't know how many birds I've lost opportunities on because I'm like, you know, I, I think I can hear them drumming, but I was afraid to move, like literally scared. It yeah. seems like you're scared of the turkey. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I was like, yeah, I've got to make something happen, you know. So I started doing that, and, you know, sometimes you just got to crawl into 75 yards behind some palmettos and do a few clucks before he decides, okay, I'm going to come check this check this hen out and now she's close enough um that that worked so many times for me last year and this year it's it's just it was a, it was a big game changer to be more aggressive in general i think that's uh that's super important and the most recent turkey that i killed which we'll talk about a little bit more today um i guess let me say this uh the reason i wanted to have you on ricky is because we had similar hunts this week and in which we both went out and killed a turkey you killed one in kentucky i killed one here in alabama on both of them on public land that were very difficult birds to kill they were the kind of birds that you have to invest a lot of time on they're not they're not stupid they're not they've been hunted they've been pressured and they tend to hang out in spots that are very difficult to get to and so they end up living a lot of the time. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many of these birds like that that I've hunted that were just educated and and very difficult to kill. Um, but you also had the same type situation where you had to invest a lot of time on an out-of-state trip, which is a hard thing to do, and uh, and make it make it happen. And you were obviously able to, to close the deal on it. I was able to close the deal on it the day before that. Uh, on an Alabama bird. And, um, but what I was going to say is what you just talked about as far as like getting closer and getting inside the bubble, his bubble. I, I was just editing a video, the video from, from this past week. And one of the things I said in the exit, like the, the post hunt interview while I'm sitting there with the Turkey, one of the things I said was like, what I imagine in their head, they're saying, Man, you know, that's not too terribly far. I can get over there and not waste a whole lot of my time just to check out that hen. And that's what I imagine that turkey saying in his head. It's like, yeah, I'll just go over there real quick and check it out. And uh, and once you get inside that bubble, man, that's when that's when the magic starts happening. I don't know. Um, maybe you maybe you have something that you've seen that's a uh, a consistent distance wise as far as how close you need to get before they do that. But I know for me. I mean, it, you just basically, it, I I haven't seen it consistent. I, it's just how you got to feel yeah. that turkey's temperature. You got to, you just, it, it's just getting as close as you possibly can until it finally breaks. And I don't know what that magic distance is. Have you seen Have you seen anything like that? Any like consistent, like distance wise from that bird when he actually does break and come in? No, not, nothing consistent. It's all, it's like. It's pretty situation dependent. You know, the terrain, the vegetation between you and him, how many, you know, <laughs> where he's at. You know, some places they just don't, you know, that's where he's going, and he's gonna hang out there, and the hens are gonna come to him. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I haven't come up with anything or seen anything that's like very specific, like 60, 70, 80 yards. It's just it all depends on the situation and terrain. For sure. Yeah, in in Florida, you've got a whole lot different terrain than you're hunting in Kentucky, um, and so I can I can imagine is and even in Tennessee where you hunted at last year, obviously you were 
you were in the steep crap at Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a learning curve for you going from hunting that flat land in Florida in, in South Georgia to the mountains of Tennessee and then the kind of the hilly terrain in Kentucky? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a big learning curve. Last year, you know, <laughs> I pulled up to the gate. I got I got to Tennessee, and I scouted one afternoon, and then I hunted the next two mornings. But the first afternoon, I pulled up to the gate, and I was like, oh, Lord. I've, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, you see it on a topo map, so when you see it in person, it's like, okay. I'm about, you know, this is what's happening now. i got to get up this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, you're probably a little more used to it, uh, Y'all have some, you know, mountainous training in North Alabama, but yeah, the first morning I set up on some birds, you know, or I didn't know exactly where they were, but they started gobbling and, uh, they were way above me. Um, it was top of a ridge, top of a mountain to me, but, uh, they, uh, when they worked down, they just, you know, they, they were, you know, roosted just off the top of the ridge, like up a one third and they flew down to the top and then scratched their way down and ended up making it happen th- that morning, but, um, it wasn't on those birds. It was on another one later in the morning, but yeah, it's just, I mean, once you learn, you can definitely use that terrain to your advantage, like coming around a side hill on them or, or coming, setting up just over the rise. Uh, but right off the bat, it's, it's difficult for one thing, just locating, you know, pinpointing mm-hmm. where that guy was coming from. It can be a little bit, of a challenge and I'm used to hearing them <laughs> in just some pine, flat pines or, you know, palmetto swamp. Yeah. And and I can imagine like where I hunt most of the time, it's, it's very hilly. And when one gobbles, you can kind of pull up your onyx directional stuff. The, the little, I don't know, the little arrow that you can point your phone that direction and you can guess where the gobble is coming from. And sometimes it's right, but the way the hills and hollers work, it's just, I mean, the, the bird I killed this week, whenever, (laughs) whenever I walked in on him, I mean, he gobbled when I was up at the top of the ridge, Uh, first thing in the morning, he gobbled and I had a line on him. And so I started walking down into that Creek bottom and he was roosted way differently than what I thought he was when I was up at top at the top. And it's just because those, those hills and hollers and ridges and all that stuff, man, it just, it, it pushes noise every different direction. You don't really know perfectly where it's at. Whereas when I've hunted some of the more farmland in uh, like middle Tennessee, where, you know, the river bottom type stuff, you can get a line on gobblers a lot easier and, and be able to tell where they're at more accurately than you can in the hills so i can imagine man from coming from florida and in south georgia is a big huge difference going to tennessee and kentucky and uh and that's i mean it's impressive to me that you're able to use that kind of take that learning curve and i mean like you just said in tennessee the first day you killed one and um i mean you killed two that trip then you go to kentucky you killed two in a trip to Kentucky this past week. I mean, I think that's just super impressive. And it's a, and I think a lot of it, I've said it before, every time we pretty much interview a, a Florida hunter, that the guys down in Florida, the people who are hunting down in Florida, have woodsmanship skills that the rest of the country could really learn from because you have to. You have to learn those type things. You have to learn how to really be really good at um, adapting 
to make it work in Florida. And so being able to use that in states that have a higher population, whether it be deer or turkeys, is is uh, obviously that, that shortens the learning curve a little bit. So you go to, you, you, you kill your birds here in Florida. We don't have to talk about that. Or down there in Florida, you kill the bird in Georgia. And then you go on this trip to Kentucky. So I guess just start out what you were looking for as far as, um, obviously you knew this area because we hunted it, we deer hunted it together this past year. Um, so you knew the area a little bit, but just as far as turkey hunting, what was it to you that just stuck out about this place? Uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty diverse. And I mean, you know, you've seen it, it's got a little bit of everything. Um, which I, I liked about that, you know, it's getting, you know, river bottom, a little bag, um, bunch of hills and hollers and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we kind of went in, uh, the first day and I, I knew they were going to be in those big, you know, hardwood bottoms and, and near the rivers and stuff. Um, but I didn't, <laughs> I kind of underestimated how bad, how much pressure there was going to be there. Yeah. I knew there'd be some, but goodness gracious, I didn't. I wasn't expecting it. it was about like that September velvet hunt. There's people everywhere. Really? Um, yeah. And it seemed like it was like a lot of, a lot of, uh, out of staters too, but it was mostly locals there, um, during the week, but the weekend was packed and it seemed to get worse, but, um, just, I was kind of focusing on those bottoms and I, I, I had a buddy with me. He's from South Georgia and, uh, I, we, did a big 12 mile, uh, hike that first day, just kind of checking things out. And, and we heard, we heard two in the morning, kind of where I thought they would be, but they shut up immediately. Uh, as soon as they flew down, they gobbled, both gobbled a couple times on the roost. But so, yeah, we just kind of checked out a little bit of everything and we were seeing, we were bumping birds just out in green fields and stuff. Um, and then that changed, like we, after that, after Sunday and a little bit on Monday, we didn't see any more birds out of the hardwood bottoms. They were all in them. <laughs> you know, hmm. I think they, they were using the green fields and then they just got so much pressure so quickly. They're just like sticking in the cover. Um, but yeah, so the first bird, um, just like I said, we did a 12 mile hike and we had checked out this one field, you know, a small green field. And as we came up, out of the bottom we just kind of we we're trying to take our time slipping up there and there's two jakes standing in the field so uh you know we, we bumped them and i thought that was probably it but i knew it was we couldn't see around the other side so i told them to slip up there and sit and call for a while so we did and um nothing happened we gave it an hour and so i was like let's keep moving we haven't really found the concentration of birds yet so we can't we go up a different way and we're coming around and we can see down into that field and there's three long beards in, in the field at the other end of it. And, uh, I'm like, man, I can't believe they're standing out there in the open, but this was the second day of the season. So they hadn't, you know, we, we, we changed that for them. Yeah. <laughs> we, we snuck back around and I think they had heard our calling, but they just didn't care because they had hens with them and it was 1230. Uh, so they were kind of just doing their feeding thing. So we slipped back down the hill around the other side and they could hear, I know they could hear some leaves and, uh, dropped my vest and I crawled up to the edge and they came, they, by this time they were coming 
because they could hear us, and they were all, all three of them, or I'm sorry, one of them was strutting. The other two were, you know, looking. They were all looking for us. So I was trying to wait so we could double. I didn't know my buddy was stuck in, like, a matrix position behind me. He was laid out. <laughs> he couldn't move. <laughs> he couldn't see anything. Uh, so he was just like, all right. He told me when I shot, he's like, thank God, dude. He's like, I couldn't, he, he's like, I was bent back. I couldn't sit there any longer. But, so yeah, I killed, that's when I killed the first one. And uh, they, you know, they seemed to transition because of pressure. I mean, it, it seemed like it was entirely because of pressure, but they seemed to transition from those green fields into the hardwood bottoms. And uh, there was tons of scratching. It seemed like we didn't find all the heavy scratch until after we would kill a bird. But, <laughs> Um, there, so, was, there was a scratch in those hardwoods. That wasn't really, you know, I mean, that's a cool hunt. That's kind of the way you want to make them happen. You know, you see one, you can kind of sneak in close and get them to come in. I mean, that's, that's fun and it's, it's all, it's all good, you know, but you kind of, you, it was kind of, there's a lot of luck that's involved in that. that you just happened to see them in that field that weren't gobbling or anything like that. So, I mean, it, there mm-hmm. definitely is a skill that's involved in that and being able to use that terrain and not bump those birds and still, like we talked about earlier, getting inside that bubble to where they finally break, even though they weren't gobbling, they did break and, um, you got close enough. I mean, that, that's something that so many people would screw up on just because they don't, you know, either they don't know how to, how to sneak up on a bird or they don't know how to, um, use the terrain to, to their advantage, or they'll just sit there where they can see them, sit there at, you know, whatever it is, 150 yards and call, and those birds are never going to yeah. do anything. You know, so you've got to you've oh, got yeah. to move in those situations. So that's cool. Um, but you, you killed a, another. Yeah, I can bushwhack with the best of them. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, dead turkey's a good turkey. Sometimes and, you got to. And I, I have no issues doing that. I will do that every chance I get. Um, and yeah. purists out there, you know, say whatever they want to say. That's what I'm going to do. If I get a chance to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, I so, get it. I'd rather call them in too, but when you go out of state, you got to make stuff happen. Yep. Yep. Why is it, dude? Why is it that people are that way about turkeys, but they're not really that way about deer? I mean, they can be a little bit when you start talking about like hunting over corn and all that crap, but. I mean, for the most part, people people think it's cooler when you stock up on a deer. You know, I mean. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I've been guilty of it too, but it's just that whole elitist attitude. You know, I think it's kind of messing things up for hunters everywhere. But I mean, don't get me wrong, I've been guilty of it too. I'm not like that anymore. But, um, but one thing is for sure, I know a lot of people know this, but the scratching in the leaves that is 100% the only reason those birds, they came about 200 yards, and that's the only reason they came is because they heard us scratching down the hill. Really? Um, yeah, and that played a, that played a role in the, the second bird I killed too. I'll tell you about that when we get into that story. But, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a useful tool when you get close to them. Yeah, I've, I've found that to work a couple times in the past. You know, you sit there and you call and you – basically just waste breath trying to call to them and then finally you start scratching in the leaves or you you crawl if you crawl on them or something like that and they hear that that those leaves um cracking and doing their stuff man i've seen that that work too and sometimes it can be a little bit dangerous while you're trying to crawl on because they're coming because they're curious and you're 
sitting there on your hands and knees crawling. So, um, oh yeah, I've seen that happen. I think that's a man. I I watched a video the other day of a guy who was like the only turkey call I take in the woods, and he pulls out like a brown paper bag. He's like, this sounds exactly like leaves <laughs> crunching, and I was like, yeah, that's he probably kills turkeys that way. Um, I'll guarantee it. So so kind of getting into the meat of the of the conversation I think is killing the birds that are not necessarily like that the birds that you have to work for that you had and have to invest time into and really really come up with a strategy on how you're going to kill these this bird um and you had something like that so let's start from the beginning where where the story kind of starts with um with that specific turkey Okay yeah uh, okay so uh that evening, my, my buddy roosted one, and I went in with him because the whole goal was to get him his bird, and then we could worry about everything else. So the next morning, um, we went in. It wasn't right off the wrist, but it was kind of a textbook hunt. But while we were calling his bird in, um, I could hear the bird I ended up killing off in the distance, and I, I kind of kept that in the back of my head. So my buddy killed his bird, and, you know, everything, that was awesome. Went out that evening. um I didn't really, I didn't mess with that bird because I kind of knew where he was. Uh, so the next morning, um, I went after that bird and I got up to the top of the hill and there's a, I think, you know, what I'm talking about, there's a really tall hill there Yep. and uh, kind of adjacent to that hill, there's a struct, a certain structure, uh, it's a pretty notable structure for that place, but it's also on a, on a hill, just not quite as tall. So I went over there. It's a, I mean, there's probably thousands of them out there, but it's, it's a barn. <laughs> it's a yeah. old dilapidated barn. I get over there and there's a, um, Amish guy standing there in the dark. And I think we kind of scared each other. <laughs> and this bird was, hadn't gobbled yet, but I knew where he was. And, uh, I said, I was trying to tell the guy, Hey, he's, he's gonna, he's, there's gobbles right there. Cause he was standing out in the wide open. I was trying to get him to come over to me, but this guy just, I think cause we scared each other he took off in the other direction (laughs) and he left. So, uh, I was like, well, I mean, one of us needs to hunt this bird. So he started gobbling and this kind of goes into that directional thing with them, different elevations and hills and stuff. He was way deeper in there than I thought he was. So, uh, made a move on him. He was gobbling on the limb and, uh, I kind of worked around the side hill and got down. I was trying to get down to the bottom. He flew down with hens and uh, I watched them for about 20 minutes once they got down there in the bottom and they kind of worked over the rise. So was not responding to me at all whatsoever. I actually called to them on the limb um, once, just like some soft calls because I heard the other hens yelping. And that he, I don't know if he didn't like that or, you know, if he, whatever. That just made him stop gobbling completely. So whenever they went over the rise, I tried, or over the hill, I tried to, uh, creep up there. Just, I figured I gave them about a, about 45 minutes. I figured they worked a little further and I ended up busting them. He flew and the hens ran. I was like, well, screw that up. So, uh, that afternoon I roosted him again and he was almost in the, he sounded like he was in the exact same tree. So I'm like, all right, I got him tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come in from the other direction. I'm going to get in that bottom where he went. And, um, you know, I just won't call. And, you know, he'll come in scratching that bottom and I'll kill him. Well, of course, 
he didn't do that. He flew <laughs> to the hill behind him, and then they scratched out towards uh, just around. They stayed on that same level, the same kind of elevation. They didn't come down to the bottom. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, he's roosted there twice. I'm going to go back that, e- that evening and kind of get on him uh, in the afternoon. And if I don't kill him, then I'll at least know where he's roosted at. So I go set up down there in that bottom thinking they're going to come back through because this thing was just tore up with scratching. After I, after I spooked him, then I, I noticed that all the scratching and everything. So uh went down in there, set up. You know, I didn't call. I was just going to wait for them to come in. And about 45 minutes before dark, he started gobbling about 200 yards away. So I went, went a little closer. Didn't, I wasn't calling. I just waited till he flew up on the limb. And he, he, I bet he gobbled 30 times when he got on the limb. And uh, I knew right then where, you know, pretty much exactly which tree he was in, pretty close to it. So I got out and uh, just another ask you know talking about those hills and how they throw sound my buddy was on top of the the big hill up top listening to my bird gobble and he could also hear two other ones that i couldn't hear and they were just hammering like hmm. just just like him and i couldn't hear any of those other birds but let me ask you this ricky in the southeast for the most part uh i don't hear birds gobble almost ever on the limb like going out and quote unquote roosting one it's kind of a waste of time in a lot of ways. Is it a little bit different out there in Kentucky? It sounds like y'all had a lot better luck hearing them gobble on the limb at night. Yeah, I mean they didn't uh, they didn't do it every afternoon, but I think I think all but one we heard different birds gobbling on on the roost, and yeah, that doesn't happen down here. I think I've heard it twice, and between Florida and Georgia, I've heard them do it twice. You pretty much. When I roost birds around here, I've got, I mean, you pretty much got to hear them fly up. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know if it's gobbler or hen or whatever, but it gives you a starting point. But, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah they I say, think the further north you go and maybe west, they just they seem to gobble more in the evenings. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, um, I know they used to do it out in Texas when I was living out there growing up. You'd hear them gobble. They'd hit the high line wire. You know, because they didn't have any tall trees, tall enough trees for them to roost in. So they'd, <laughs> they'd all roost up in those high line wires, and you could just see them. I mean, you could see them clear as day, silhouetted against the skyline, just up there gobbling, you know. But um, wow. I, I heard them gobble a couple times when I lived in Georgia. Um, and by a couple, I mean like maybe one. I heard them gobble in the evening. And then, man, in Alabama. I don't know if I've ever – I've heard hens start yelping on the limb, but I don't know if I've ever heard mm. a bird gobble on the limb in the evening in Alabama. Like, it's just not its not a thing that they do much. Crap, they don't do it much on the limb yeah. in the mornings either, so <laughs> – let alone in the yeah, evenings. <laughs> um, but but it seems like – it seems like that had a lot of uh, – had a lot to do with, with your success in being able to go in there – and know how to strategize and know how to get in close um, early in the morning to where you would be able to get eyes on him and know where he was actually, where he was actually at. Um, So with that being said, how does your, how does your strategy change if you're in this, in this situation and he's doesn't gobble at all on the limb, but you know, 
um, kind of where he was roosting at the the day before. Does your strategy change at all if you don't exactly know where he's gobbling at in the evening? Yeah, uh, yeah. If I if I wouldn't have known where he was at, like if he wouldn't have gobbled, um, I guess all I would have had to go on was where I visibly saw him before. Um, but I'm, and, and then if and then if, if I didn't have that, then I would have went back to you know, how I do it around here when I'm grinding, I just, just covering ground, trying to strike one. And that, that's part of the reason I pick the places that I pick to hunt. I want to make sure I have enough land to move. Uh, and also to be able to move without messing up a bunch of other people's hunts, you know? Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I do. If I, if I don't know where there's one at, I'm just, I'll cut, I'm a cover ground until I strike one or I have to leave to go home. Yeah. Are you, whenever, like in this situation, so you, you, um, you knew he, where he was at in the mornings because he would gobble in the mornings. Um, let's just say he mm-hmm. didn't gobble at all in the evenings. All you had to go was buy your morning stuff. Are you playing it a lot safer as far as where you're going to get to before daylight to try to get on him? Or are you still going to be pretty aggressive and pushing as close to the last known roost location that he was in. Um, does that, does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, without knowing what I knew before this trip, um, I would have said, I'm just going to get to the, the highest point I can and listen from there. And that works, you know, that, that, that's how we killed the one on Monday morning. My buddy killed, but no one I know now I would try to get, you know, if I knew, where he's roosted before, or if I had an idea, I would try to get on the same level as him um, and get a safe distance. I would say, depending on the canopy in there, I would I would say I would try to get you know 100 to 150 yards on that same elevation line, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I want to talk about they, that because seem to kind of stick to that. Okay, I, that's that's interesting. So that's something I haven't ever talked about on the podcast. You talked about being on the trying to be on the same elevation line i've always um found it incredibly difficult to get on the same elevation line um and and maybe not even difficult in some ways but uh you always either are going to call them up they're either above you or they're below you especially in hill hilly terrain is that something that you do mm-hmm. often that you've seen work um and maybe that's just a normal thing that i just don't know about of trying to get on that same elevation as they are. And and when you say that, are you meaning like where they just fly basically horizontally and land on that elevation? Or as far as like the, are you talking about the elevation of the tree? Like basically the trunk of the tree that he's in. Yeah. So, uh, the ones that we were on off the roost, they all like, I, and I told, um, one of my other buddies, you, you know, I'm Spencer Ford. I was like, these turkeys are roosting in like the same type of places that the bucks like to bed upper one third of these hills. Um, they're roosting there and then flying down to the top of the ridge or the top of the hill. Uh, but then like that bird, he, he did that. He, he didn't fly down to the very top. He was roosted about halfway up. Um, and he, he flew, like you said, horizontal to the hill. So, you know, He's not having to expend as much effort flying up. He's just mm-hmm. flying straight out, you know, to the limb and off the limb. 
But so with the one we, you know, with the one my buddy killed, we actually came in above him. Uh, we didn't have any bird. We didn't call any birds down on the on this trip. There was no. They were up. If they were up top, it's like they were not interested in coming down to the bottom. But uh, so yeah, I mean I've definitely seen that. I definitely saw that work this past week. Uh, Tennessee, I didn't know what I was doing in the in elevation type stuff. I called both those birds down down the ridge to me. Uh, that was just luck, I guess, because I've heard they rather come uphill than downhill. <laughs> good, it's but, good uh, calling. That's what it is. You're just a really good caller. It's okay. You can burn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really dumb birds, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, not but, that um, late. Listen, I will tell you this. When you were there, you were there at the, the last week of the season, the same time I was. And what we were dealing with during the COVID season was a lot of really smart, educated birds. And the ones that were still alive yeah. were the smart ones. And so I can imagine it wasn't a whole lot different where you're at because I know that place got a lot of hunting pressure as well. And, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. that is some of the toughest hunting late season. The birds act right and they gobble a little bit better and they're not nearly as hinned up, but the ones that are still alive aren't stupid most of the time. So you're dealing with the smarter ones and, uh, it's yeah. always, yeah. it's always fun when you can go somewhere, uh, especially an out of state trip like that. And you, you can be there for that opening week and be able to experience all the, you know, the dumber two-year-old type birds that are going to respond to right. calling a little bit better but obviously this bird wasn't he was a he was a smart one you know he's educated smart and he probably had zebediah chasing him all all uh spring last year and so he learned and he was coming back to to try to kill him whenever y'all ran into each other that day oh, <laughs> I, I promise you there's those three uh amish fellows they they knew where the birds were at because I had him and his buddy came in on me later, another Amish guy. And then, uh, my friend had all three of them walk in on him at different points during the morning. <laughs> and we met him. We actually met him on the way out. Nice guys. Uh, and by the way, this just goes to show, you know, you might not, I might not want to say this. I know you're sponsored by some companies, but those guys are wearing all denim. They're hunting in like all jean jackets, jean pants. <laughs> and I'm sure they kill birds, so just yeah. saying. <laughs> That's interesting. But um, and I should have prefaced this whole thing by saying we met a guy, or I met a guy. Uh, I was actually riding around scouting uh, the Sunday afternoon, and uh, just kind of seeing where all the hunting pressure was. And there's Anna, and he hunted the bird I killed Saturday and Sunday morning. And then he said, I'm, I'm not going back over there. He's like, I had guys walking in on me. He's like, everybody's trying to hunt that same gobbler. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to give him a shot because I've already killed one. You know, I got nothing to lose. So, Shoot, yeah. Um, but I mean, that bird definitely got pestered on the weekend. Yeah. And what day was it that you finally killed him? Thursday. Thursday. Okay. So. Thursday morning. So, so you go in there, I interrupted you, we went off on a rabbit trail, but you, you talked about that elevation stuff and I thought that was really interesting. Um, and something that I, I don't talk about a whole lot. And, um, but now that you say it, you, you know, I, I can think of several times where I've been either lower than a bird or uh, up on a bird and they can ju they fly straight horizontal and then they just walk the same elevation on that 
on that ridge, which is, uh, you know, something interesting to think about for everybody listening. Um, if you find yourself always, you know, in the wrong, whether you're below them or above them and they always skirt you, I mean, maybe try, maybe try that same elevation and, uh, and see if that works. So, um, so you go in there, I can't even remember where you were at, but you just pick up wherever you want to, want to pick up on it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I knew where this bird was at the last morning. I heard him out on the roost the evening before, so I, I knew where he was at, and it was the last morning. I was like, I'm gonna go in and be, I'm gonna be smart, be smart about it, but I'm gonna be aggressive if that doesn't work. So I was assuming he was gonna fly down and work his way down to the bottom, but I was pretty sure he didn't have fins with him. By the way, he was gobbling on the roost. I didn't know for sure, but I was like, he was just, he was hitting it like crazy and, and i was like surely he's just trying to let hens know where he is because he didn't have any so the next morning comes and i get down there to the bottom and i'm thinking you know i'm just gonna sit here i'm not gonna call he's been pressured um heard him gobble twice and then i heard a hen fly down and he gobbled at her i'm assuming it was a hen i heard a turkey fly down between me and him i was about 150 yards from him and he was up above me um, and I was down the bottom and, and, uh, up, upper one third of a hill. It's pretty, it was a pretty good hill. I don't know elevation wise how many feet, but he gobbles a couple times after she flies down. And then I didn't hear him fly down, but I could tell when he got on the ground, he gobbled one more time and then nothing else about, I don't know, 30 minutes went by maybe. And, uh, I just, I just like something came over me. I was like, I just, I'm not going to sit here and let this opportunity go by because I know he's in range of hearing me, but he wasn't responding. I tried to yelp in um, soft yelps, and I got a little bit yell- a little bit louder. And finally, I just like, okay, I got to do something. So I, I cut at him real hard and loud, pop, 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 and he gobbled. I'm like, okay, I got something to work with. He was in the same spot, hadn't moved. Um, and then I found out why once I got over there, why he was in the spot, but... So I move about 50 yards toward him, and uh, I cut at him again, and he, like, real hard, and he gobbled again. Like, okay, great. So I move another 30 yards, and this, now I can hear drumming. Um, I can hear him spitting and drumming. It's kind of distant, but it would I could hear really loud and fade away. And I could hear really loud and fade away. I'm like, okay, well, I know he's, you know, I, I know he's 100 yards or less at this point. And I could see a hill, but I wasn't sure. I could see there was a creek bed. You know, it dropped down and uh, crossed that into a creek bed, but I didn't know what it looked like, how thick it was. I figured maybe that's why he wasn't coming. Um, so I was soft yelping. It wasn't doing anything. He just kept on coming and going, fading. And uh, I crawled up another 25, 30 yards, and I could get drop off into that uh, draw, and the drumming was like, deafening at this point but i still couldn't see him so uh i've been tried tried to creep pretty silently until this point but when i got set up against that tree i scratched in the leaves and i just clucked like two or three times real soft scratching the leaves and i hear the drumming start coming back towards me and then i see the top of his fan see the top i see his head and you know i shot him that was it but when I got over to him, I could tell uh, 
or I could see at that point why he was there. There was this little bench right over the right over the the peak of that ridge, and you could see 150 yards or more everywhere around that bench was visible. And he was just strutting back and forth. I could see the leaves were all raked around where he was dragging his wings, and uh, hmm. I was like, "Well, no duh, I should have found this early." You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like perfect. Um, but I usually maintain my composure and I've got a lot of respect for, for turkeys, but I kind of, I kind of, I lost control and I yelled like a lunatic in that holler. (laughs) I was was jacked up. That's awesome. How far away was your buddy from you? He was, he was on the other bird that he heard the evening, even before he was about, eh, maybe 400 yards. He said he didn't hear me. I was like, well, I don't know how you didn't hear me. (laughs) (laughs) I looked around. I was like, "Man, I probably just made one of those Amish guys mad." But that's okay. Hey, I never listen, saw him. there's not something satisfying like knowing you killed a turkey that a whole bunch of people have been hunting. Like that. Oh my goodness, man. That I is can't. a satisfying <laughs> feeling, and and it's almost. I know like, you know. I know you know the feeling. I do, and I don't know it well, but I do know it from this past <laughs> week. And I mean, you just there's something about it. The killing those like I don't they're not impossible because you made it possible, but killing those birds that for a lot of people are impossible to kill it's just man that's a good feeling, and it always comes down to those those decisions to get closer not don't get aggressive in the, in the way of like you know just barreling through places and running and doing and making all kinds of racket. But getting as close as you possibly can to get inside of that bubble. I mean, the bubble is everything to me on these smarter birds. It's just, I'll I'll die by that. Like, the, getting inside oh, yeah. of that bubble. And you know what's funny about it is I just did it on Monday and killed that bird and uh, had a great time doing it. Well, I had another turkey, uh, it was yesterday, I guess. Yeah, yesterday. So Friday morning, and I found myself questioning myself on how close I should get to this bird. And I didn't kill him because I didn't, I mean, he gobbled like 350 times and I didn't kill him. Mm. And uh, it was, it was a property line thing. I couldn't get, he was gobbling on the property line to everything I would do. And he was just, I know he was just doing exactly what your bird was doing, just he found he was in a good spot off of a point and he was just strutting back and forth and he gobbled until I left at 10:30 I had to leave and uh I left a goblin turkey that was gobbling to everything I threw at him and Ooh, that's a tough thing to do that's a tough thing to do but at the same time uh I feel like if I can get back there another time this week I can go in there if he's as responsive I can probably get back there and get there early and kill him but Early on, when he first started started gobbling, after just finding myself in the situation where I needed to get closer, I opted to be conservative with it, which was just, you know, I mean, I just, I don't think in in turkey hunting, in TV, on TV, being conservative really works with turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you got birds that aren't pressured, that aren't, you know, you got big green fields and stuff that they spend most of their time in. But when you start dealing with pressured turkeys, man, sometimes, uh, or more times than not, the uh, the more aggressive you get, the the more likely 
you're going to be to kill them, just like you were in your situation. And uh, a lot of did did you ever run into any of the people like while you were walking out with the bird or anything like that? Uh, well, not not that one, not that one, unfortunately. But the the first one I killed, we met some some local guys on the way out, and okay. uh, you know they were they were they were super nice guys. They were shocked when we because they were leaving and they said, you know, we've been walking out for 30 minutes. And I was like, well, we just killed this one 15 minutes ago. <laughs> huh. um, but they're like, yeah, there's too many people here. You know, I think the birds, you know, they're shut down. And I was like, yeah, they are. You just got to, you know, <laughs> this one is, <laughs> if they're not, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> this one is gone for sure. <laughs> but, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, and, and like, go ahead. Yeah. Like you were saying, um, just getting getting it. I feel like it feel like you're regurgitating what other people are saying by, by talking about getting in the bubble. But I mean, it's it it's it works. Yeah. There's no denying it. And it's not just running through the woods. You know, be, you talk about being aggressive. It's not just running through the woods trying to crawl on turkeys. It, you got to be smart about it and know when to use the right calls and uh, and when when to creep and when to let them know you're there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things in Tennessee last week or two weeks ago when I was there, uh, I learned another important lesson, especially when you're being aggressive like this and you're trying to get closer. You have a bird that's gobbling. You know where he's at. Um, and I'm sure one of the things that you were doing is making sure when you when you make those calls, when you do stop to call just to see if you can get a position on the bird to be ready to go like be ready to shoot i had Mm -hmm. i had another one in tennessee where um me and uh, my buddy hunter Lindsay we were we were getting closer to this bird and we should have killed him and i let out a call i can't even remember what i did at that point Uh, i think it was just like a just a normal yelp and he didn't gobble and i said okay hunter let's just get this five like five feet in front of us, there was a perfect tree. Let's get by this tree and we'll sit because we know he's close. I took one step and that turkey flew off. He was at 15 yards. So whenever, whenever I let out that call, he was not even paying attention probably to us or to, to, I mean, we were creeping through there. We weren't making any noise and it was windy. Um, He wouldn't have paid no attention, but when I called, it caught his, it caught his attention and he was coming to check it out. We'd gotten inside of that bubble and when you're trying to get in the in that range that he can, you know, in, inside the bubble, when you're trying to get there, if you're going to call, if you're going to make noise or do anything that would cause that turkey to come closer to you, you better be freaking ready, man. You better be ready to go because he may be right there and you just don't know it. And um, it sounds oh, yeah. to, it sounds to me like that's something that you that you were doing. You know, it it takes a little more discipline to get set up and then move again and then set up again and then move again but that's going to be sometimes it's going to make or break the hunt i believe oh yeah i agree i'm, I'm 90 percent of the time if i'm doing that i'm already sitting like if i'm going to check them i'm, I'm going to sit down at, i'm going to find a spot to sit down because you know you might do it not thinking and then you find he gobbles right there and you find yourself in a in a road with no tree or cover around or you know yep you just got to be careful. <laughs> You're exactly right, man. You're exactly right. 
I, uh, I, I can think of just multiple times off the top of my head. Man, I can take a, think of three times off the top of my head to this week when um, that scenario was, like, important, you know, and, and doing that was important. And so I think it. I do. I think it's a. I think it's a big deal making sure that you're ready to go. Um, I'm interested to know. You said that you, uh, when you finally got set up and the drumming was deafening, um, you called him. You called him uphill, correct? Yeah, there was like a. So the the ridge. I was on top of the. I was basically sitting at the top of the ridge, and there was some, you know, just kind of sparse vegetation up there. And he was, there's a slight rollover, maybe a 10 foot drop. And then there was a bench and then it dropped off, you know, I guess. 60, 70 feet down into that Creek. And he was just, he was on that bench and I just called him just barely over that rise. Was there, was there any, um, possibility that, um, that he had hens with him at all? Or were you, are you pretty sure he was by himself the whole time? Well, uh, I know there was a hen there because, or I'm assuming it was a hen or another gobbler that wasn't, wasn't, uh, gobbling because I heard the bird fly down and, and he, I heard him gobble and he was still in the tree. And then, then I heard him gobble again on the ground. So it was pretty, def, you know, there's definitely another bird there. And, you know, I was jacked up when I ran over to him, another bird could have ran off or flew off or he could have bred her and she could have left him already. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was, it was about a 45 minute to an hour ordeal from the time he flew down to when I killed him. So, I mean, it definitely, she definitely could have already left him. That's why I was, I was wondering because when you're doing these kind of, when you're doing these kind of, uh, hunts like this, where you're closing distance like that and crawling and doing that kind of stuff. And you're, you know, you've got a Turkey close by. Sometimes it can be, um, a little bit better even to be above that, above him or have some type of good structure between the two of you just because you never know if there's another bird with it. I mean, it's and beating trying to beat two sets of turkey eyes is a whole lot harder than trying to beat one. Um because you can keep tabs. If you can yeah. if you're if you're trying to crawl on a bird and you can see it, um and you can make moves based on, you know, when it's turned around and not looking your direction or whatever, it's harder to do that with two birds. And so sometimes being able to get use that terrain to your advantage and do all of your movement out of sight from that bird is, I mean, definitely the way to go. And so, uh, yeah. man, that sounds like sounds like it was a, a fun, stinking hunt, man. That sounds like I wish I could have been able to be there. I, I want to go and hunt Kentucky, and I want to go and hunt that place at some point because I've spent a lot of time there. Um, let me ask you, Ricky, did you see – was it was it what you think of when you think Kentucky turkey hunting? Like, was it heavy goblin action, lots of birds, really good population, or was it a lot more similar to doing something down here in the southeast? Uh, yes and no. It, I mean, it definitely definitely has a good turkey population. When I think Kentucky, I'm thinking hardwoods, hills, hollers, you know, big bottoms, hard goblin turkeys, and that did not disappoint but they were more adaptive or reactive i guess to the pressure than i was expecting um i mean don't don't get me wrong I, open a weekend in kentucky i know there's some hardcore 
good old boys in Kentucky that loved turkey hunting, and that was they they showed up for sure. But um, yeah, they they definitely react to the pressure. And uh, the best, probably the best story was a turkey I didn't kill. And if you got time to hear about that, it's, let's hear it. it. It's we quick, got time. but it, it, it was it was it was insane. So you know this place, and there's you know there's a there's a river there and we're down there by it and uh i don't know it's probably three forty-five in the afternoon and i heard a distant gobble and I'm, i look at my buddy i'm like was that a gobble he's like yeah i think so so i yelp real real loud and i can hear it again i'm like okay yeah definitely so we took off after him and i was like he might be across that river but i'm not sure so you know, cover ground, cover ground, cover ground. And he never responded again. Finally, we get directly across the river from this thing, and I, I yelp, and he gobbles. And I didn't. I was like, "Well, he's across the river. That's, 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 that's that." Then he gobbles again. I'm like, "Oh man!" And he gobbles again. On this, all on his own. He's coming towards us. So I cut at him real hard, and he, he double gobbles. I'm like, "Okay, either I'm about to shoot this bird across the river, or <laughs> both sides, you know." <laughs> were huntable uh and then i'm going to go for a swim or he is going to fly the river that i didn't think he was going to fly the river i didn't think that was going to happen at all but i was like worst case scenario we'll get a beat on this bird and go back in the morning this thing comes he gets to the riverbank and he's walking down the edge and i'm set up ready to take a shot if he comes in range which he would have to be right on the water's edge for that to be a possibility and he comes around a tree, and I'm literally about to squeeze my trigger, and he takes off. He pitches across right at my face, and he's flying right towards me. And I thought about taking the shot mid-flight, but I was like, no. I know that it's not it's – just, I just – I didn't feel good about it. And he sees me and kind of changes course and lands on the hill like 70 yards behind me. I was amped up. I took a shot way too far. I don't shoot TSS, so, you know, I didn't harm him at all. He took off running, and I'm like – Look at my buddy. I'm like, that just happened. He is like, <laughs> he's on the ground laughing. He's like, I can't believe that bird just flew at your face like that. <laughs> but, How um, close did he get to you? Oh man, um, be like 25 feet or so. I mean, good lord, he saw me at the last second, and I went and set up on him. When I went to kneel down by the street, I looked down and there's turkey tracks there by the river. I'm and I'm thinking, I'm looking. I tell my buddy, I'm like, there's turkey tracks right here. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, now I know why. That's he probably crosses that river right there all the time. Yeah, but that's anyways, crazy. That was crazy. What 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 do you think it was that made him like? Do you think it was anything that you were doing, or he was just ready? And that that's I what made him cross. He was, he was looking, and when I cut at him like that, that was the last. Like he's like, okay, uh, you know, maybe 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 he didn't have a hen that day maybe he didn't breed a hen that day yet I, i'm not real sure um about that i'm sure he did that, that early in the season i'm sure he had hens around but he didn't he didn't then that's and insane man he wanted one so <laughs> yeah he wanted he wanted one you was, you was gonna be that hen for him uh <laughs> that's crazy man i mean that and what time of day was that uh when i took the um shot at him it was a five o'clock by the time that finally happened afternoon man that's cool that's uh i remember you you sent us a text about it you're like i just had a turkey fly across the river at me um 
<laughs> it's funny, man. You, you you see, and this is this is why turkey podcasts are kind of difficult to do when you talk tactics and things like that. Because, I mean, like turkeys, most of the time, they're not going to do something like that. Like they're not going to cross a river or crap, even cross a dang creek. You know, that's six inches wide. You know, they just get hung up on that stuff. Yep. But we were, uh, when I was in Tennessee last week, me and Hunter were driving, and we were driving on this highway, and there was two big, like, bluff walls. The road went through these this mountain, and there was a big bluff on either side of the road. And this is like a four-lane highway. And so um, we're driving, and Hunter's like, did you see that? I was like, I don't know. What was it? And he said, a turkey just flew across. It just flew right over us from one side of this bluff to the other side. Just right, just flew across the highway, just getting to that other side. And uh, I was like, man, wow, isn't that ridiculous that they'll just fly across a highway like that? But when you try to call them across a little creek, they won't even go across that. It's just so, they're, yeah. they're so different. I mean, from turkey to turkey, and they're different every time. Who knows? That bird... 10 minutes earlier may not have done that for you. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just crazy how those birds are. Um, somebody said the other I day, I can't believe it. Somebody told me the other day, they're like, it's crazy how something with a pea sized brain will make you rethink your life. It's like, yeah, it is nuts. Oh, yeah. And they will do that. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Ricky. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about that trip. And I hope you guys who are listening to this, uh, Maybe you find yourself in a similar situation and this podcast helps you um, get on a bird. I know, Ricky, I've got like one week left to, I've got two more turkey tags here in Alabama out of my five. I've killed three, which is fine. I mean, if the season ended tomorrow, I'd be happy with my season, but. um, Yeah, it's a solid year. I got another year, man, or another week to make it happen. And so I'm going to try. And then uh, I don't want to you know, speak before things really start happening, but there's a really good possibility that, uh, I'm going to be able to go to hunt turkeys in Nebraska this year in May. So yeah, man, I know I talked to you about it earlier, but if you want to make it happen, dude, we can team up and get over to Nebraska and try to kill some, what do they have? Is it Merriam's or Rio's in Nebraska? Uh, I, I think they have two different species. Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. I think it's Merriam's and and it's either Merriam's and Rio's or Merriam's and Easterns. I'm not sure. Okay. Whatever well, it is, I want to hunt them. Yeah, well, yeah. Do they gobble? <laughs> Do they have spurs and beards? Then I want to kill them. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Maybe we can make that happen, dude. Well, if you uh, if you get out and uh, go hunt anywhere else this season, what do you got? Do you got any more plans for the season? Uh, well, I'm, I'm taking a trip somewhere in May, either Nebraska or, uh, you know, maybe West Virginia. Uh, but if not, if none of that shakes out, I've still got two tags in Georgia and we got till the 15th. So shoot. Yeah, man. We'll go Up kill them. Go kill them. Yeah, man. Good luck to you too. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We're going to talk to you guys next week. We're going to have a great turkey hunting podcast. Man, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I really do appreciate that. Thank you for supporting the people who support us. That's Scree Gear, New Canoe, Tethered, 
and Spartan Forge. If you're not supporting those companies, if you're not using their equipment, go and check them out. We really do love everything that they do. We wouldn't talk about them here on the show if uh, if we didn't really truly trust all their products. We love everything that those guys do. And again, go check out Southern Ground Hunting on YouTube. We've got lots of turkey hunts if you're into that kind of stuff. We've got lots of deer hunts, which I know uh, here coming up shortly after turkey season, uh, we're going to start getting back to the deer content and I'm really looking forward to that. So make sure you go and subscribe to us on uh, Southern Ground Hunting on YouTube so you don't miss any of that stuff. Thanks, to guy, thanks guys, again for tuning in. If you're going to be out in the woods this week, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.